Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Phil Cook. He's an author, a speaker. He uh, runs this organisation called Cook Pictures and he's uh, based in Hollywood, does some awesome stuff. He's out visiting Australia. He's recently been speaking at the Christian Media Australia Conference, speaking about creativity and inspiration and uh, motivation. He's uh, an absolute legend. It's great to have him on the line today. How are you, Phil? I'm doing great, Matt. So thrilled to be here. Now, mate, you keep coming back to Australia and uh, you reckon we're some of the best people on the planet. Why do you love Aussies so much? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, I, 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 at, the, at the conference recently, I mentioned that I think Australians are actually born more creative than Americans will ever be. All right. Um, I just love the culture. I love the way you think. I love the fact that you're so laid back and easygoing. And it's just, you know, it's fun. And when I get a bunch of you guys together, I, it's, it's a great time. Now, I've been so impacted by a number of your books and blogs, and I follow you on Twitter and Facebook. I see all the stuff you do. Uh, you're, you're definitely very creative, and you've got a heart for the gospel. Uh, tell us a bit about your upbringing. You were raised as a, as a pastor's kid. What was that like? I was a preacher's kid. I wasn't rebellious, Matt. I actually was a good boy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I saw a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on there. I mowed the church cemetery. I took care. I filled a thousand communion, communion glasses. I play, They thought we had bells in the steeple at our church, but it was me playing a 33 RPM album up <laughs> in the top of the steeple with some speakers. But, uh, yeah, I grew up behind the scenes, and I had a, it, it really gave me a passion to help share the gospel. But as I grew up, I realized I could do it in a different way. I could do it with a camera. I could do it with media. And uh, as a result, I produce one program today that reaches more people than my father did in his entire lifetime as a pastor. So media is so critical, and that's why it's important to me. And I heard you tell a great story the other day about mowing the church cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> Can you well, share that one with us? <laughs> Back in those days, they made it was an old cemetery, 150 years. And back in those days, they made coffins out of wood. And in 150 years, those things rot. So uh, there was a couple times when I'd be mowing across a grave, and it would collapse. And you see things down there you just didn't want to see as a 12-year-old. And uh, my father just would panic, and we'd fill it up with everything: garbage, concrete blocks, broken chairs. It was pretty, pretty funny stuff. Okay, now, mate. The other thing that um, I was really encouraged with when I heard you speak the other day was you talked about how. Uh, people in radio have such a potential to reach such a massive audience and you never know who's going to be impacted by the shows they broadcast. And you yeah. shared a story about uh, Nicholas Bengu from Africa. Yeah. Do you want to share that story with our listeners? It really impacted me. Nicholas was a remarkable leader. He, the Time magazine called him uh, the Billy Graham of Africa. He had reached more Africans to Christ than any other African in history. And um, he told me I was able to film him. This was, he was in his 70s, and this was back 20 years ago, so he's passed away now. But I got to film him finally, and he told me a story. I said, tell me about how many people you've led to the Lord, and tell me about your career. And he was remarkably humble. And he said, no, no, let me tell you a different story. And he told me a story about a missionary couple that had come over many years before with absolutely no success. They preached in Africa and didn't lead a single person to Christ. And years went by. In fact, the only person they even made contact with was a young African kid who would help them carry their equipment. But they didn't have a single conversion. Not one person came to Christ. And they came back to the U.S. to try to raise money, which had to be tough. But eventually the denomination just got embarrassed. And I, they said, you know, these people just 
they're no good. They're, they must be terrible at being a missionary. We need to call them back. And so after spending their entire adult ministry in Africa, preaching, being faithful, but without a single convert, they came home. And uh, they came home humiliated, embarrassed. And it wasn't many years before they actually passed away. And that's when Nicholas looked at me and he said, you know what those people didn't realize was I was that little African kid. God didn't send them over there to reach 10 people, 50 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people. He sent them over to reach me. And since that time, I've reached more Africans with the gospel than any man in history. So it was a real lesson to me that we don't always see the results of our work, particularly in radio or television or other media, because the signal goes out there. You don't know who's listening to your program today, for instance. But the truth is, it can impact someone's life for eternity. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important that we support Christian radio, that we be a part of it, that we try to make it grow, because it's just an absolutely incredible key to reaching a culture that we'd never reach otherwise. So, Matt, God, God reaches people even through reruns. <laughs> it <laughs> does. <is important. laughs> that's good. Now, Phil, the other thing that I was uh, inspired uh, to, to try and do after hearing you speak was you said about being ruthless with your time. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to do the one thing, the one big thing that you called to do. You've got to make sure that emails don't waste too much of your time. You've got to make sure that you, uh, you, you clear the clutter out of your day and you, you manage your time well. Do you just want to speak into that for a bit? Sure. I think our greatest enemy to, to doing what God's really called us to do today is distraction. I mean, we have so many distractions, 100 and 200 ca- channels and cables. Sometimes, some cable systems have as many as 500 channels. We have unlimited radio and internet pages. We have email blinking all day long going off, Twitter, Facebook. There's so many distractions. And I, I really think if we're going to accomplish what God has really called us to accomplish in this culture, we need to focus. We need to relearn focus. And to do that, you have to say no to things. You absolutely, you know, no to technology, no to people, uh, even people that, that are, are good people and want you to help do different things. I think there, you have to draw boundaries. And uh, sometimes that means saying no to good things in order to open yourself up to being able to do great things. So it's a matter of being gracious. You know, don't be a jerk. But um, you, if you're serious about what God has called you to do, you need to become really serious and mindful about your time. Start saying no to things. Start keeping the distractions at bay so you can really have time enough to focus to accomplish something important. Such an important message. And I know um, you know your book, The, uh, the One Big Thing, tackles a lot of those issues. Uh, certainly worth uh, having a look at as well. Uh, now, let's continue a little bit more with your story. Uh, uh, you were raised, as, as you said, as a preacher's kid. How did you yeah. get into the industry you're into right now? What was the next steps you took after school well, and college? I went to college as a piano major. I, you know, be, Being a preacher's kid, you're required to play piano. <laughs> and so uh, I, I did it. I didn't love it, but I did it. And uh, so I didn't know what else to do in college, so I enrolled as a music major until I met the faculty and realized those guys were serious, so I, I bailed. I got out of there fast, and um, I enrolled in a film class. And uh, I had done some little movies with my dad's Super 8 movie camera back in the 60s and early 70s, and um, I showed a couple to the film professor, and he liked them enough to show them to the class. And I'll tell you, I got hooked when I saw that, you know, they showed my little films. They were terrible, but they showed my little films to the film class at college. They discussed them, and this idea hit me like a bolt of lightning that if I can do something with a camera that makes people talk, that's what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't think I've ever had such a crystal clear moment before or since, but I look back on that and think that was a real defining moment for me, and uh, I've never looked back. And tell us about some of the uh, productions you've worked on with with, uh, Cook Pictures. Well, we've worked with some of the... You know, we we do a lot of secular things. We do... uh, 
TV specials, we do commercials and things like that. But our real focus is with Christian organizations. We want to help Christian organizations tell their story more effectively. You know, the truth is Christians are changing the world. They're sending medical teams to third world countries. They're helping in human trafficking issues. They're making a dramatic difference all over the world. And yet so many Christian organizations do phenomenal work, but they really don't know how to tell that story. They don't know how to get that story out there. So they struggle with getting donors and supporters and people to help. And so we come alongside to help them tell that story. We just recently went to South America and filmed a medical team who were setting up an ophthalmology clinic deep, deep, deep in the Amazon jungle. And uh, we, f- we spent three or four days filming that. We came back to the U.S., uh, put that together, put it on their website, shared it through social media, and it just dramatically increased their, their awareness out there. People didn't even know what these guys did. They were one of the best-kept secrets I'd found. And through telling a video, shoot, through, through shooting a video and telling that story, they've just dramatically increased their perception, and uh, people know who they are, and they're getting behind them. So it's a great story. So we love to do that. We love to help great organizations that do remarkable things tell that story. And I think uh, you really have raised the bar. Like, I've looked at some of your work. I know you've worked with, you know, the Salvation Army. You've worked with, uh, was it uh, the Great American Bible Challenge? Sure. Uh, I see a whole bunch of... Di- Firstly, uh, the Great American Bible Challenge with Jeff Foxworthy as the host. What a great idea for a program, hey? We should have something yeah, like that in Australia. The game, the game Show Network came to us, and they wanted to talk about the idea of doing a comedy, you know, a funny game show. Um, that would be engaging and something for the whole family on the game show network in the U.S. And so uh, they, they ended up getting Jeff Foxworthy, who's an extremely well-known comedian, Christian guy, very, very funny. And, uh, yeah, suddenly we're getting church – people compete as a church team or a small group team or a family team. And uh, I, the great thing to me is – it's made the Bible fun to talk about again. So people at the office who might have been a year ago uncomfortable or embarrassed to talk about the Bible with their coworkers, suddenly it's cool to stand around the water cooler and talk about the Bible. And uh, that's a great thing. When you see the Bible become a part of the conversation of just the general public, boy, that's a, that's a really positive sign. It's been fascinating seeing uh, the rise of some of these programs, uh, like the Bible series with uh, Mark Burnett, the guy that uh, yep. produced Survivor. Did you have anything to do with those guys? Or? We, we helped an enormous amount with the marketing. Mark and Roma, of course, have their own big production company. They produce big-time reality shows like Survivor. And uh, they've been wanting to do a show on the Bible for a long time. And so they came to us to help generate some, um, some marketing muscle and some impact with a Christian audience to kind of help get the story out there. And so it worked in a glorious way. I mean, it just set new audience records in the U.S. It blew away some of the big, big, big popular shows on, on cable TV. And uh, it, got, it really got people talking. And it's funny because some of the major news media in America called me. I had three or four major news outlets call me in a single week and say, we don't understand this. Why, why do people want to watch a TV program about the Bible? What's, what about the Bible so interesting? And so I actually had to explain to them the impact on the Bible in Western culture. I said, you know, you got to understand that you would understand Western art and literature and music without understanding the Bible, and we need to understand that. And people have just jumped on board. They're watching the show like crazy. And so I'm really excited about that because I think anything that gets people talking about the Bible has got to be a great thing. Now, another message you like to bring uh, is about telling your story in the age of brands and social media and, and the importance of being unique. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that so many churches uh, really struggle in this digital age we live in. And one of the things I pointed out at the Christian Media Australia conference is that Facebook, by population now, is the third largest country in the world. Uh, behind somewhere between the U.S. and China. 
or excuse me, the U.S. and India. So the question becomes, who's sending missionaries to that country? Who's planting churches in that country? I think we need to start looking at missions less in the way of geographical terms and more in the way of digital terms, because that represents the third largest country in the world. And how are we going to reach the people there in Facebook? You know, if you study the life of Jesus, Matt, you see he spent his whole life where the people were, Mm. in the marketplace, in the temple square, uh, maybe at social gatherings like weddings. Well, guess what? Today the people are listening to the radio. They're watching television. They're on Facebook or Twitter or other social media applications. So I think it's critically important that we be there with a the gospel message to engage those people with a, a message of hope. So I, I think that's incredibly, incredibly important that we're out there doing that. And it was really fun talking about how the church needs to get more involved in the digital realm because that's, you know, we've got to be telling our story and in those places. I agree, mate, absolutely. Now, before we do go, uh, there may be people listening that are thinking, okay, this guy's talking about the gospel and the message of Jesus, but there might be some listening that have never actually heard what the gospel is. Would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Absolutely. You know, I'm one that always advocates for telling your story. I think each of us has a story that's incredibly important. And the bottom line is our story is so important to God that he was willing to send his own son to die to repair that breach. We had fallen away. We had sinned. We had made our own decisions and gone our own way. And God wanted to reestablish that relationship so badly with us that he was willing to sacrifice his own son to try to make that happen. And um, so I think it's incredibly important that we understand that we've fallen, we've made mistakes. And if we want to reestablish that relationship with God, we need to just turn our lives over to Him. Let Him take control, and uh, let Him be a key part of that. And that's so, so important, because I think if we're going to really understand who we are, if we're going to really establish what our identity is and, and discover our potential, we've got to do it that in the, uh, aligned with God. So the Bible is very clear. Uh, just ask forgiveness uh, for God. Just ask forgiveness of what you've done, the mistakes you've made, the decisions you've made, and um, let God step in, take over as the Lord of your life. And when that happens, everything changes. That is such good news. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for visiting Australia again and inspiring all the, the media guys at the Christian Media Conference. So I was certainly inspired. And, uh, mate, I reckon you're an uh, absolute history maker. You've got so many uh, great things to share. And if people want to find out more about Phil Cook, the website is philcook.com. Uh, that's uh, cook with an E, philcook.com. Uh, the Change Revolution, you'll be able to see uh, a few of those books he's released. You can also find links to Cook Pictures and some of the great work that Phil's been doing. Also, you can find Phil on Facebook and Twitter and Vimeo and YouTube, <laughs> just about yeah, everything. Mate, thank you so much for your time today. God bless you. Matt, I've had a great time. Thank you so much. I really enjoy it. I can't wait to come back. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.